sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Welcome in. This is it. This is Diamond Bets. My name is Matt Strager. His name is Joe Pizapia. We come your way each and every Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time. We're taking you up to 10 a.m. And then from there, let a great day of sports begin. Follow along at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV, and at Joe Pizapia's number 17. Joe Pizapia 17. It's a great follow. Great guy to spend a Sunday morning with. Joe, what's going on, my friend? This is what we do. We get up Sunday mornings, we have coffee, and then we talk baseball, and we get paid for it. That's pretty good. Don't don't don't, <laughs> don't let anybody fool you that we're not uh, loving life right now. And Matt Stryker, I gotta say, it's always a pleasure to be here on the program with you and spend quality time and talk about the game we love. And there's a lot of moving parts always. I feel like every single week we come back here and it's a new story, it's a new trend, and that's what makes Major League Baseball so much different than other sports because the season is twice as long. The ups and downs, the peaks and the valleys are going to be many. And let's start with some of the headlines from earlier this week because there's a lot to get to. MVP, don't forget, he's the MVP, the reigning, undisputed, most valuable player in the National League. Bryce Harper is staying hot despite the UCL injury. Now, he can't throw for a few weeks. It's going to be reevaluated, but uh, he's DHing. And he's just crushing the ball. Uh, he's been hitting the ball all over the place. Crushed the Dodgers. Uh, speaking of crushing things, the Yankees offense has been on fire over the last week with Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton just hitting home runs all over the place. It was like Aaron Judge is really pushing for that big contract with the Yankees or someone else. Uh, the Jays, unfortunately, had an injury to George Springer, who exited on Friday with an ankle injury. And then the Mariners, on their way to New York, said, Jerry Kalanick, we don't think this trip is for you. We want to give you a little bit of distance. So you send him down to AAA. So the former Mets farmhand does not get to come and play in City Field for the first time. Edwin Diaz, though, struck out the side against his old team last night in the Mets victory. So a little bit of uh, retribution there. And, of course, the Dodgers uh, have a little bit of an issue with Clayton Kershaw dealing with a pelvis injury. Uh, so he's going to be on the 15-day IL, so we'll see how that goes. But let's start with the money men. Let's start with Stanton and Judge, because before the season started, the Yankees were having a ton of conversations with Aaron Judge about a contract extension. Now, Aaron Judge has had a great career, but has missed significant time. It feels like this is the, okay, I'm going to show you moment for Aaron Judge. He's showing everybody. And it feels like the Yankees are going to use this season, in my opinion, to pay Aaron Judge and say to the fan base, hey, we spent all this money. Look at the season he's coming off as opposed to spending all that money before the season on the player. People say, well, but he has missed a lot of time. That's my feeling. But I want to get your opinion on this. How do you feel about Aaron Judge's future with the Yankees? Because if he keeps hitting balls like this, I don't know if there's enough money left in the Steinbrenner bank to pay this guy. Well, then let's start with the obvious, the home runs. I saw a statistic with regard to like on pace for I think Judge is on pace to hit 61 home runs. It's an iconic number, not only for Yankee history, but for baseball in general. So that's something you have to think about. And having these two boppers is a very Yankee thing. It helps every platform, for the people that play fantasy, for the people that play DFS, for the people that wager each and every day. It really helps to have the big, bopping Yankees. 
But let's hold a mirror up to that injury point that you brought up. And removing the, the home run and the Yankee lore, hold the George Springer exiting again with the ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Hold that mirror up to Aaron Judge and ask yourself, Houston okay to let Springer go? As we welcome in our radio audience, everyone listening, of course, Sirius XM 159. This is Diamond Bets. My name is Matt Stryker. His name is Joe Pizapia. We're talking baseball. We're talking in particular this Aaron Judge phenomenon with the Yankees, Joe. And if the home runs and how he's hitting so well means that the Yankees should resign him. Or, like Houston, do the Yankees think they know something about their star player, similar to what Houston thought was Springer, let him go? that they're not going to break the bank and maybe someone else out there, Juan Soto, could be available. I'm just throwing out thoughts and processes, but Joe or processes, mm-hmm. what's your thought on that? <laughs> many, many process I, and uh, I have processed yes. the processes. Um, I think the difference with the Yankees is that the Yankees don't have Jordan Alvarez in their system coming through and blossoming. They don't have Alex Bregman. They don't have those other guys. Look, they didn't just let go Springer. They let go Correa too. And they're still winning games last time I checked. And it's because they had Kyle Tucker. It's because they had Alex Bregman because they had young position players and Alvarez coming through that system. I don't know if I see that yet with the Yankees. Volpe seems like a really nice player. Actually, in two weeks, I'm going to go see Volpe play live uh, because he plays about 15 minutes from my house. I'm going to go check him out, give you a little scouting report. We come to the show. But I think that's the difference here. The Yankees right now, if you look around, there are a lot of Except for Glaber Torres, you got Josh Donaldson, who's a veteran. Stanton's been around for a very long time. Rizzo is a veteran. This is a veteran team, and I don't see that young group of position players ready to take over. And I think that kind of puts a little bit more pressure on the Yankee side to write the check for Aaron Judge. Does that make sense to you, Matt? It does, but then it doesn't. And I think that's the beauty of this conversation is because you have two legs to stand on here. Is it worth it to sign him? I think that baseball has shown you and youth and all sports, if you look at it across the board, baseball is a young man's game. There's going to be someone else coming. Is Judge that generational? Springer, I can understand you. He was. Is Judge that generational? That's the question. And that's what has to be answered from a business side as well as from a competitive side. And the business of the Yankees is star power. Let's not forget that either. The Yankees do love their star power. They got to sell season tickets and they're expensive. When we come back, we'll talk about what else is trending in Major League Baseball. So don't go anywhere. We're just getting started this morning on Sports Grid. This is Diamond Bets. We'll be right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in. This is Diamond Bets, Matt Stryker and Joe Pizapia breaking down the world of baseball each and every Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time, taking you up to 10 a.m. Eastern. Keep us in your pocket <laughs> at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV. Joe, whether you play a season-long fantasy or you really play DFS every single day, daily fantasy, or you're wagering, you're out there playing total base props, K-props, money lines. I think trending right now is a word that everyone is aware of. And uh, how do you pay attention to what's important and how to fade some noise? Well, I, I think that's the that's the thing, right? You know, not everything is important, but and uh, I, I think when you look over at social media too, there's a, always that thing of to live in the prisoner of the moment, right? Mm-hmm. And everything that's happening right now is absolutely the right answer. 
And I thought this was kind of interesting because on the way over, like I said, from Seattle to New York this week, Jared Kelnick, who was this can't miss prospect that the New York Mets organization was getting killed on that trade when they traded Kelnick over and they took on the massive contract of Robinson Cano and a young closer named Edwin Diaz, who had some really good years already, but was still very young. It took a lot of shots in the media about this and shots from guys like John Heyman. And here's John Heyman yesterday, or should I say a few days ago, tweeting out the Mets won the Kalanick Cano Diaz trade there. I said it Mets get a 3.6 war and a closer Mariners get a minus 0.2 war and a buck 73 young outfielder. Don't at me. And John Heyman went all like, <laughs> don't at me, bro. At the end. Yeah. I can only assume that his daughter might've uh, possibly hacked into his Twitter for the end of that tweet. I don't know that don't at me is, but at, at any rate, it's an interesting question about who wins a trade and who loses a trade. Because I think when you're looking at it right now, if the Mets go on to the world series and win a world series and Edwin Diaz is closing out and getting that last out, then I think you could say, yes, definitively. They won this trade. Cano got DFA'd this week. We'll talk about that right. now or two of the show. So he's no longer even part of this and they're still going to be paying him because that's unfortunately what happens to the Mets and what they have to do sometimes. But you know, Kalanick so far has struggled mightily and it goes back to this point about these can't miss prospects and, Moving them from major league proven talent. And we've seen it time and time again, not just in the Mets organization, but other organizations too, where they are more hesitant than ever because of the dynamics of, of the baseball economics to move young potential talent to players. But there's still many times where you look at Joe Adele getting sent back down. You're looking at Jared Kelnick struggling. You'll get Julio Rodriguez, even Bobby Witt. These guys have been a little up and down to say the least to start their careers. And there's plenty of time. So is there a world where, Jared Kelnick can still have a very good career and the Mariners win this trade. I just thought I would bring that up because I thought it was interesting about living in the now versus, you know, perspective of this guy's only 20 something years old. Maybe we should at you about this because maybe it is a bigger conversation and maybe this trade isn't won or lost quite yet. I mean, this is an age old question that goes beyond baseball here. Mm -hmm. Is it be here now or is it store up for a rainy day kind of thing? There has to be a, a time limit on the conversation. If the Mariners go to the World Series in X years and the Mets go, then you can determine. But as of right now, uh, Heyman's right, and and that's that's that. And as far as Seattle not bringing Kellenic along, the timing is interesting. It says it says a lot about the culture of the fighter. Remember, I come from like that whole like pro wrestling tough guy MMA mm -hmm. kind of world. It says a lot about the culture of the fighters that they don't want the other team looking into their dugout knowing that. Ha, we stuck you with that or you're hanging out with him now. So I understand that too from a culture perspective, a mindset, a psychology. There's that there too. Kalanick had all the tools, but how many guys come up now that just in this day and age of everything trending and everything being, as you were saying, you know, prisoner of the moment, everyone's the greatest. Look, didn't the, didn't the White Sox have Fernando Tatis in their system? Do I remember that to be correct? You is, correct how about sir. that point? Okay. <laughs> so I'll end on that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, certainly right now, it feels like the Mets are winning this trade. And I, I think it also goes to the point of if you feel like you're an organization that has an opportunity to go out and make a move that's going to make you a better team now with a young player, you, you go and do that. And and Edwin Diaz was, I think, just 23 or 24 years old when he got moved. He was very young still. So, you know, you could even look at his prospect for prospect and how important relievers. It also comes down to the point, too, of how important a closer is in major league baseball and to have a guy that, you know, that's his role. 
that you can build off six, seven years of potentially. I mean, think about the, the the success of the Dodgers with Kenley Jansen over the years. Think of the Yankees, despite all this Chapman, maybe some up and down moments. They've turned that ball over to him many times in the last five years. I think having stability in that closer role is something that most organizations do not have. And I think it's more um, important in this day and age of Major League Baseball than it has been ever before because it's valued differently. All right, let's move on to something else that was trending. Royce Lewis, this was fun with Carlos Correa on the shelf. Uh, we mentioned that Royce Lewis was getting the call and he had his first career home run and it was a grand slam. So congratulations to the young man, Royce Lewis, uh, going yard. Now, Royce Lewis was once a very high prospect in this twin system. Uh, if you look at the minor league career, I would say it's okay. This is a guy who hit about 269, uh, the slugging percentage at 420. Uh, the OBP was at 338. I would not say he is, you know, a great power hitter. He's got some pop in the bat. There's no doubt about that. And he has the ability to run. That is also something you've seen. The problem is right now, Royce Lewis is kind of a guy who's been a, a prospect that stalled out. He's getting a little bit of an opportunity here. And I was curious to hear your thoughts, because if you're going to make an investment in Carlos Correa, I know he's got an opt out. Do you think there's a world where the twins look at Royce Lewis and this is a little showcase where they could flip him and move him for something else to help them now since they made that investment in Correa? Or do you think they keep him as an insurance policy in case Correa walks because we know how that contract is structured? It's amazing how we're having these kind of conversations back to back. Essentially, these are very similar conversations. So let's have them. Uh, with Minnesota, it's interesting because they have guys like Kirilov and now guys like Lewis and, and Miranda. They have these young guys that are coming up that are kind of keeping this team afloat. If you look in the standings, you wouldn't have thought, unless you watched the show early on in April, that the Twinkies would be where they are. And it's because of guys like that. So keep that in mind. But to the question, if Correa walks, do you keep Lewis? What do you do? So on and so forth. Uh, the Twins have often struck me as a uh, forward-thinking organization, as so much as a be-here-now-we-have-to-win-now kind of organization. So I think that if they had the opportunity, they would hold on to Lewis if they weren't sure of Correa's intentions. But uh, intentions can change, especially come October or November now when you're hoisting some hardware above your head. Yeah, and the other trending story uh, this week certainly was Reed Detmers, the rookie pitcher for yeah. the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, throwing a no-hitter. First one-person no-hitter uh, of the year. We had the Mets throw their five-person no-hitter earlier this year, but uh, this was great story, great fun. Here's the, the, the funny caveat around it. Reed Detmers, I looked it up. That night, he was started in only 18% of lineups across fantasy baseball, and that's over from fantasy pros. So this no hitter happened on many people's benches, which is unfortunate. Yeah. It's also a no hitter. It only had two strikeouts. Uh, there were three no hitters with no strikeouts. Earl Hamilton in 1912 when Matt was born, uh, Sam Jones in 1923 when I was born, and then Ken Holtzman in 1969. Uh, so it's kind of fascinating <laughs> to think of how crazy it is to get a no hitter with two strikeouts, but the fact you get a no hitter with zero strikeouts, talk about everything breaking your way. So this was a great moment for the angels and the angels seem to be a team that's got a little magic right now. Otani just is hundredth yeah. career home run. A lot kind of going in the right direction for these angels. Are you feeling the halos this year? Yeah, well, first about the no hitter with only two strikeouts, it speaks a lot to pitching to contact. And that's something that young mm -hmm. pitchers out there 
they should think about because everyone's trying to blow everyone out of the water. As far as the Angels go right now, uh, this is fun. I think it's definitely fun as long as everyone stays healthy. There's really a lot of some good places to find some good plus money plays still on the Angels. Uh, speaking of which, has Detmers locked up that rookie of the year with this performance? Uh, that remains to be seen. No, no, he has not. There he goes. I will answer nice. that question. No tease is necessary. He has not yet. And that, that American League one is still wide open. Uh, so is National League. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the moving lines, including the MVP race. What if I told you in the National League there was a guy who started the year at 25 to 1, 30 to 1 in some sites, and is now the leader? Well, we told you about him a couple months ago. Let's check in on Manny Machado. We come back right here on Diamond Best. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back in. This is Diamond Bets, Joe Pizzapia and Matt Stryker. We're with you each and every Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern. Today, we're talking about baseball and how to make money out of it, straight up. Whether you do season-long fantasy, DFS, sports wagering. Nowadays, Joe, people can supplement a bill in their house, whether it be a car payment or a grocery bill, with their knowledge and their love of a sport, in this case, baseball. Yeah, absolutely. And what's always fun is we talk about these every week in moving the lines, right? Last week, we did a whole piece about the Angels. We talked about, right, how those lines have moved. We talk about it, this is a good time to get in on them because Houston's still very competitive. You look at the over-under number was 83 and a half. Uh, you know, there's certain times in the season to make moves on things. And then before the season started, we talked about certain narratives that are out there for some of these major awards. And one of those narratives is, can you carry a team in the absence of the other star? And Manny Machado's done that. When we started out the show in April, we talked at length about Manny Machado and got off to a good start in this first week. And what if this continues? Well, he's kind of at 25 to one, and then he was at 22 to one, and then it was at 17. And if you look at where it is now, after a glorious month now and change of playing baseball, he's in a pretty good spot. He's at the very top on FanDuel on the MVP board. In that race, he is plus 360 now. So if you bet it at 22 or 25, you could have probably cashed out and actually made money already. They're probably saying, hey, why don't you take this money and go make a little bit? And I don't know if that's the wrong thing to do. It might be the right thing to do because when Fernando Tatis Jr. comes back, I don't know how that narrative changes. You could say right now, Manny Machado is the most valuable player in the National League on the 15th of May. And I don't know if anybody's going to argue with you. There hasn't been a more valuable player to his team, to his offense. He's been carrying this offense. Manny Machado so far this year, seven home runs, 23 rubies, six steals. He's hitting 359 with a 1025 OPS and a 439 OBP. He's got 27 runs scored. He has been absolutely fantastic. I mean, right now, He's up there in the same statistical breath as Judge and Trout. Uh, Bryce Harper's right behind him too, which is, again, still my guy to repeat because I think his narrative is fascinating as well. The guy who can't play the field, so he's DHing because his UCL is torn and all this stuff, like that warrior stuff that everybody loves, those good stories. But what's fascinating is the movement of Machado from 25 to 3-1 to one basically over, what, six weeks, Matt? I mean, it is crazy to think about that kind of movement. So now we have to ask ourselves a new question. 
Number one, is it sustainable? And number two, what happens when Tatis comes back? How does that change the narrative? At the beginning of the show, we said baseball is such a long season. So is it long enough that Machado can sustain this over that period of time? And when the other star comes back, he's still the dude? Or do you think he fades away and you think now is the time that you probably missed the boat already to get in on this Manny Machado thing because at three to one, it's possibly less appealing. And there's other guys like Harper, like Acuna, like Freeman, even Nolan Arenado and Juan Soto, who might still very much be in this race. What are your thoughts on the NL MVP? Well, this is why doing things like this is so intriguing. And you mentioned something that, I, again, I pound home, the cash out option. You have to find out if mm -hmm. the service upon which you play offers that because it's a way to kind of, and, and I hate to use this analogy, it's a way to kind of get out of a bad first date, if you will, you know, with, with a little bit of money left in your pocket. And everyone out there understands what I'm talking about. To the Machado point and Tatis coming back, there's been some movement actually uh, they sent Abrams down, and now Hassan Kim is the guy, and you don't know what's going to happen there. If Tatis comes back and is the new kid in school, then, yeah, I can see people easily forgetting about Machado, but then maybe the number dips in your favor as well. You talked about Bryce Harper, and if you look on the graphic that we had up at 16 to 1, all the things that he's doing, the definition is most valuable. Joe will always counter back to me that it's media narrative, and it's things like that, and clearly he's right. But also when you talk about most valuable – that's what we're looking for, value. So Harper at 16 to 1 plus 1,600 is value. And Acuna still, and I know he's day-to-day -day now, and I think it's a groin, but 1,100, 11 to 1. Why not Acuna? Because for now, let him rest, let him go on the day-to-day, -day, so on and so forth. If a guy like Acuna gets hot come July, August, September, October, there's a narrative there as well. It's such a volatile market, Joe. That's why I like your cash-out option. Play, get in, get out, play, get in, get out, hey. but use their money. It's it's the stock market. If you could do it. In fact, I remember in the beginning of the year, I liked Luis Robert as a guy that might be able to push yes. a little bit. Maybe if he got off to a, a hot start at 30 to one or whatever it was for MVP, it's not going in that direction. Now I bet Otani also because, you know, I'm not stupid. So I had Smart, investments. Yeah. <laughs> I had my sure thing and my long shot. And I already cashed out on the long shot of Luis Robert. And actually, believe it or not, I actually got my money back. It was at the same there level because they still valued Luis Robert in that market still enough where because I bet it 30 to one, well, okay, you know, here's your $30 back or whatever the heck it was I put just to see where the market went. What's fascinating is Harper was, I believe, seven or eight, somewhere in that range, maybe even nine in some places to repeat. And now he's at 16. There's something now for me that says, this is the time to jump into Harper at 16, yep. if you liked him or jump in again, because now your odds have gone backwards. And all of a sudden it's this Iron Man, tough man, I'm going to put this team on my back and I'm going to carry them all the way into the playoffs. And he did it last year. Let's not forget this guy did it. And if he does it again with a tear in his UCL, DHing only or playing through this pain, I'm telling you, uh, you know, players don't vote for these awards. The media does. And they like a good story. And that is a good story, my friend. Uh, I'm trying to look for a good story in the National League Rookie of the Year race. That's been eluding us. Uh, we had Blake Snell make a good rehab start. Clevenger's return to this rotation. I don't know what's going to become of Mackenzie Gore. He is at plus 400. Say a Suzuki right now is still the guy at the top of the board at minus 125. And I think it's the worst bet you could possibly make in your entire life right now. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I think it's just default because all the money's gone there because nobody has another answer. Here's what's fascinating. There's three guys that have now popped up on this list. One is Alec Thomas, 
who we're going to talk about a little later in the show too from the Diamondbacks, who is at plus 2,500. Yep. A nice player. I would say statistically more like an Andrew Benintendi or like a younger version of Michael Brantley back in the day. A little pop, a hmm. little speed, good contact guy. Juan Yepes, plus 1,100. Yepes had a 600 slugging in AAA this year before he got called up. And he's not the only Cardinal because eventually Nolan Gorman's going to get called up too. But Yepes is already after a week where he's had a pretty good week in the major leagues, plus 1,100. We'll dig more into him an hour or two of the show. And then Max Meyer, who I know came off a bad start, but I talked to our own Craig Mish earlier this week when I was on his show in between the breaks. And I asked him, look, you're Mr. Marlin. When is this guy coming up? Because Max Meyer has been absolutely tremendous. Up until this last start, he had an ERA under two. He had an 11.9 K per nine and a 2.5 walk per nine. The guy is absolutely dominating right now at AAA. Elias Hernandez keeps getting blown up. I think it's only a matter of time. You throw a 10 bucks on Max Meyer right now at 30 to one and just watch it and see where it goes. To me, that's the name to circle right now. Get in on and see where it goes because that dude is dominant. That guy could come up and pitch probably tomorrow for the Miami Marlins and I think would be arguably their third best pitcher after Alcantara and after uh, Pablo Lopez, which is saying a lot because those guys are excellent pitchers. What are your thoughts on this constant movement in National League Rookie of the Year? Oh, I love how you refrain from giving us Mish's answer because we all know Mish is a professional. If he, even if he knew, you know, he's not going to tell you. So that's good to know. Uh, yeah, Meyer not up. O'Neill Cruz not up. Um, I, I like Yepes. I'm a Cardinal fan, even though that has nothing to do with how I wager. And I want people to understand that, that I'm always going to try to wager with my head, never my heart. That's how you get into trouble. Uh, ask Joe. He knows. Um, in any event, let's talk Alec Thomas. Let's talk about the fact that the Diamondbacks are the best bad team in baseball. And I don't even think you can call them a bad team anymore. Yeah. That entire NL West, everyone is, you know, he's 500 around there or better. And the Diamondbacks, when you look at some wagering, when you push them as the dog, when you push them towards certain types of wagers, they're constantly in the leaderboard. So Alec Thomas and the Diamondbacks is an intriguing narrative at 25 to 1. But I want to see Mackenzie Gore. I like pitchers. And Yale, I like Joe Ryan. I, I just mm. think pitchers are guys that, that are – I don't know. There's just something more to them. But yeah, those are my thoughts. Yeah, I can understand it. We still haven't seen Anyo Cruz, who's sitting on that list as well right, right now, just kind of holding steady. Uh, one more to talk about here. We did this last week with the Angels, so I wanted to bring it back. On bettingpros.com, where you can get the consensus betting lines, I wanted to take a deeper dive on the Padres like we did with the Angels last week. So to win the division, right. plus 375, that's a consensus line. So if you take all the lines from all the different betting houses, that's about what you're getting it's a little bit above some places, a little below some other places. To win the pennant, to win the National League, plus 800. The win total is at minus 115. The number is 90 and a half, and the World Series number is 17 to 1 right now, plus 1,700. I'm looking at this right now, and that plus 375 and the win total are fascinating to me because with yeah. this Kershaw injury, all of a sudden the door is open. I still think the back end of that rotation is suspect. I still think the bottom half of the lineup for the Dodgers is suspect. I think... The Dodgers are not invincible. It's by my narrative since what uh, March, April, right? When we started doing the show, it's been my narrative. Yeah. Yes, they're the favorites. Are they invincible? No. And I keep looking at this Padres pitching staff and I see starts from Sean Manaya. I see starts from Joe Musgrove, who looks like a Cy Young. Darvish is there. They're getting Snell back. They just got Clevenger back. What do you think about the Padres right now? It's starting to dip our toes in this water. 
Uh, last week we did win total and to make the playoffs as the parlay for the Angels, and I wish that was the option here, but I'm with you. The way to go is win total and division for all of the reasons that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. You have to ask yourself internally in the National League, who beats the Padres? If you don't have an answer, look at that pennant number, plus 800 consensus. That's tasty. Well, if you think they're a playoff team, the depth of that pitching is stunning. So they could go a long way. They, I mean, they could absolutely make good on that pennant plus 800. All right, we come back. We're going to talk about the guys who've been hot and the guys who have been, well, not so much. When we come back, little studs and duds right here on Diamond Bets on Sports Herd. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, folks, welcome back in. Diamond Bets, Matt and Joe here, you there. We're talking baseball, and during the break, talking with our producers, Jack, and everybody else about uh, he's a big Pirates fan and how to play the Pirates. And I was saying the Pirates aren't a minus-money team. you got to try to do something like a player prop. You look like a Brian Reynolds. And then, Joe, that brings us to this next segment of studs and duds because there are teams that are minus-money teams where you can play them and lay it and be confident. There are also teams with players that are absolute studs and there are teams with players that are just absolute duds so let's start with the studs and start with the obvious obviously it's got to be the yankees man take it away it does and also public service announcement betting on the pirates come on jack i I know (laughs) you love the pirates don't let your heart take over your head and make bad wagering decisions i don't care if it's jose quintana it's still the pirates think about it just just think about it Uh, Sometimes the wager you don't make is the best wager, right? So let's get to some wagers we do want to make and maybe some props on some guys that are red hot. And how about Giancarlo Stanton? It is high. It is far. It is a Stantonian blast. It is 20. I mean, look, look at this guy. Look at what he's done so far. 20, uh, two at bats, seven runs, five home runs, 14 RBI, 364 batting average, a 1468 uh, OPS. The guy has been absolutely stunning. Now, uh, just want to say there's a, a little bit of a, a miscue on that graphic. He doesn't have 20 home runs over that span. He's got five home runs over that span. So just as a, he that's a lot. Cause I start to see that. And I almost Ron Burgundy this where I just say stay yes. classy San Diego, but no, I did not today. I noticed it. I saw it. No, no, no. It feels like 20 home runs. If you, if you add up maybe the distance of some of them compared to other people's home runs. Yes. It's like 20 normal people, home runs equal five Stantonian blasts, but Stanton is a classic streaky slugger. And do you remember a couple weeks ago? Cause I'm old enough mm-hmm. to remember this map just a few weeks ago where Giancarlo Stanton was kind of ice cold and everybody was complaining. This is what he is. He's always been like this sluggers go through mm-hmm. these periods where they're not playing great. And the next thing, you know, they light it up and just start unloading baseballs all over the place. And when this guy is locked in he is one of the best power hitters in baseball we all know that and this is huge this is the yankees offense that's good the yankees offense that good is the one that is hitting home runs it good this is the good yankee offense the problem is when they're not hitting home runs how do they make runs they don't have that sort of offense they haven't had it since those yankee years of the bernie williams paul o'neill 
Derek Jeter crew of guys. Like that was a run producing team. That's why the team was so good in the playoffs because they produced runs. They ran from first to third. They moved runners over. They played National League Baseball in the American League, and they had enough power that they could get the big home runs when they needed it. But this offense for the Yankees continuously relies on home runs. But when it's hot, Matt, this is one of those things where you see run totals in games and the Yankees are red hot. I don't care who's on the mound some of these days, but when you see a pitcher like he did the other night and like a Velazquez on the mound, you go, oh, let's go in on this. There's certain pitchers you got to get in on when the Yankees offense is hot. And right now they're about as hot as it gets. So what are your thoughts on Stanton and his uh, recent upswing of baseballs over the wall? <laughs> Look, the, the Yankees run on premium gasoline. Uh, that's the best way to put it. And when you break down those numbers, you figure four at-bats a game, 22 at-bats, about five or six games. So over five or six games, if you tell me he's hitting five home runs and hitting 364 and having an OPS in the 1400s, that's great. And you're right, it's boom or bust. So you have to catch players like Stanton and the players hitting in front of and behind him during these streaks. And you have to also keep a really close eye on when you think this streak is going to stop. Because when it stops, man, the needle comes off the record and it hurts your ears. Nails on a chalkboard. So watch that. But if Stanton can keep, even there's some regression, if he can keep a modicum of this and Judge can do what he's doing and some of these other guys can hit, yeah, this is going to be fun. Can they sustain it? That's the question. I prefer small ball because I want to be able to manufacture runs, but it's not a game of that. Mm, well, Aaron Judge is also manufacturing runs, but in, not in the small ball way either. Right. Uh, 26 at-bats uh, over the last week or so, 10 runs scored, three home runs of his own, eight ribbies, 346 batting average this week. I mean, it's been unbelievable. The guy has been fantastic. We talked a lot about Aaron Judge, so he is red hot. And when those two guys are hot together, the Yankees are a tough out for any pitcher. They just are. So you have to recognize this in the betting market when these guys are hitting. And then Glaber Torres started to hit recently too. Uh -huh. That's new. We haven't seen him much, much in the new. last year and a half uh, really do. It is. It is. It's It's not, not that it's never happened, but it hasn't happened in a yeah. while. So all of a sudden when these guys are right, go for it. And in the inverse, we always talk about the Yankees being a very public team. When the public team is struggling, go at them because that is the perfect time to make even more money because when this offense does go backwards again and gets ice cold, cause you know, it's going to attack them on the other end. I mean, it's just a very easy ride uh, to, to take on that roller coaster up and down. Uh, let's talk about a pitcher here, smaller market. Let's give some small market love to the Tampa Bay Rays. Shane McClanahan, oh, yeah. check out his last 17 and a third innings, Matt, 10 hits, 27 strikeouts. This is correct. Do not adjust your screen. <laughs> 17 innings, 27 strikeouts, five walks, 2-6-0 ERA, and a .87 whip. Shane McClanahan has been dominant. He has exceeded my expectations, and my expectations were pretty high. Um, this is what the Rays do, right? They pitch. They need more offense. I'm sure they'll find it. They'll make a trade at the deadline and bring in somebody else. Like they brought in Nelson Cruz last year. Like they brought in other guys in the past. But Shane McClanahan can go out there on any given night and match up with the Verlanders or the Garrett Coles of the world. And I still feel like Shane McClanahan, because he pitches for the Rays and because he's still relatively new on the scene, does not get enough credit. And when he's out there, to me, it's almost like automatic. I'm going to find Shane McClanahan. I'm going to put money in it. And I'm going to step back and enjoy the view because that's how good this guy's been. The word dominant comes to mind. Is that what word comes to mind when you think about Shane McClanahan's run these last few weeks? Yeah, absolutely. And for those that are saying it's surprising, I can understand that because a lot of people don't look 
to the Rays for pitching. As strange as that sounds, people really don't think about it because that Ray way is go five and two thirds, go six, and then we'll turn it over to a cadre of arms in the pen. McClanahan dueled or dealt with Otani earlier in the week. His strikeout total right there. He's a good K prop guy. It's just one of these fun guys, also pitches from what they call the wrong side of the rubber, right from the left-handed side. All of these things are good ways to try to find money. And if you're ignoring the Rays and you don't look at them as a pitching type of team for whatever your reasoning is, you should look again at guys. And and, and Shane Boz is going to be along soon. There's so much to Mm -hmm. do with the Rays that that it remains fun for the savvy wagerer. Imagine next year with Shane Boz, with McClanahan, and maybe a healthy Tyler Glasnow back in that rotation how good that raise rotation might be. That is a scary thing to think about. And I think the rest of the American league should stand up and take notice at the end of the day, if you can't pitch, you got problems. Uh, and Shane McClanahan right now is just at the top of this rotation for the Rays, And just, it doesn't matter if the Rays are facing a great offense. Like if you're going against Houston or the Yankees or the blue Jays, it's vantage McClanahan still, in my opinion, until further notice, like that guy is just absolutely filthy. He's been dealing. Let's get to some guys who, Let's just say things are not working out so well. Uh, Sometimes we mention them and they break out here. So maybe we're good luck. We don't know. Robbie Grossman, things have not gone well for Robbie Grossman this season. Let's take a look over his last 45 at-bats. A little bigger sample size because we don't want to be too hyperbolic. Well, over 45 at-bats, almost half of them strikeouts. That's not good. 20 strikeouts and 45 ABs. He's got no home runs. Got three runs. Four hits over his last 45 at-bats. That's a tough... Tough month, my friend. And then a .089 batting average. So, look, Robbie Grossman had a very surprisingly productive season last year. And Robbie Grossman was a player I think Detroit looked at and said, hey, this is a guy who's got a lockdown spot. This is a long slump, so long of a slump where it starts to, I think, affect guys mentally. And it's hard for certain guys to pull out of it. I don't think it's hard for a Whit Merrifield to pull out of a bad slump when it came out of nowhere. Whit Merrifield a home run this week, had four hits the next day. Whit Merrifield's a professional hitter. I think when a more journeyman guy like a Robbie Grossman struggles, I think this is a one that's a little bit harder to pull out of because there's more doubt because you've been on different teams and you've been in different organizations and you've had playing time taken away from you. And I think that's looming here for Robbie Grossman. You get those days where you sit and, and the rest of the lineup hasn't been great either. Javi Baez has not been great. That's not surprising. Typical big contract, no lineup protection, new city, all those things that we all said, watch out for early slump for bias, just like you saw last year with Lindor. These things happen sometimes. So a lot of confluences of events have happened here for Robbie Grossman. And it's unfortunate because he had such a good year. Many thought a breakout, but sometimes those years end up looking like anomalies. And I guess that's the question here was last year, the standout, the outlier, Mm -hmm. And is there a way for Robbie Grossman to pull out of this from anything you've seen so far out of him? So I was in the camp of, yeah, Robbie Grossman. And all of a sudden, it seems whatever stink the Orioles had on them, it's been transferred to the Tigers in some way. There's a real (laughs) funk going on here. No, but you know what I mean? Because all of a sudden, the Tigers just can't do anything right at all. It's very depressing. It's very cloudy and gray. Grossman was an OBP machine. He was a top-of-the-order guy. He was a guy that would score runs Mm -hmm. and... All of a sudden, nothing's going on. Now, again, it is mid-May. Things could start get going in the Motor City when it comes nice and warm, hot town, summer in the city, right? 
if that's the case, you jump mm-hmm. back on. But right now, I think Grossman's the kind of guy that, depending on the format, like a season long, I think you can jettison him, much like the Astros did when they had him, and find a different player that you can replace. And then if he's still out there on your wire, pick him back up. It's not as easy to do with a, with a quality pitcher as it is with an outfielder like Robbie Grossman. But this is sad to see for me. I'm, I'm a fan. I wanted him to do well. Yeah, I understand. It's frustrating. And you weren't the only person. I think there were a lot of smart baseball people on the fantasy side and the wagering side who all thought Robbie Grossman had kind of turned the corner last year. He was very good. And then you get up to a start like this and you just kind of shake your head and wonder, Oof, maybe this is the guy that everybody told you he was. Now, Jose Barrios is a fascinating case because that's a player we were told was going to become an ace of a rotation for the Twins. And it never happened. Then he moved on and had some really good starts last year for the Blue Jays. But he's been let's just say uninspiring over the last two starts. Oh, and two over his last 10 innings, just four strikeouts, two walks. I don't know if there's an injury here. He's given up 11 earned runs in those two starts. And this is the problem, right, Matt? We always talk about how pivotal, how pivotal, excuse me, the third starter is in a rotation. And Jose Barrios right now is not holding up his end of the bargain because Alec Manoa is Kevin Gossman certainly is. But you can bring back Hyunjin Ryu into this rotation all you want. If you don't have Barrios being that guy in the third spot who's giving you quality starts, it's going to be a really tough middle of the summer for the Blue Jays. And they're going to be a team that's going to be looking for more pitching, if you can believe it, via trade if this continues. What are your thoughts on Barrios? Is he the classic buy low? Or is he just this guy that's never going to live up to his full potential? Well, Joe, you played baseball. When you see a line like this mm-hmm. on a pitcher like this, you start to think, is he is he toying with a new pitch? Is he trying something out here in mid-May that maybe we're not privy to? Because this is very, very unlike him. Uh, and he's got to get right, and I think he will get right. And even his 50% is better than a lot out there is 80 or 90%. So give Barrios a minute and let the Jays' rotation find their identity. Mm, that's fair. You're much more forgiving than me. Uh, I've seen this before with Barrios, where it's just all over the place. He looks like an ace one day, and he looks like a fifth starter the next. And I found the Blue Jays, I'd be frustrated and concerned right now because you have aspirations. And if you lose Springer, you got to rely on that pitching more. That's something that's important. We come back, a history lesson on Diamond Bets. We return right here on Sports Group. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in. Diamond Bets back on the air. It's been a great first hour, an even better second hour coming your way. But right now it's time to sit down with Uncle Joe and talk about this day in baseball. Joe, what do you got? That's right. Gather by the fire, kids. We're going to talk about a story about a paisan just like me, Joe DiMaggio, on this day in 1941. I know you all remember it. Joe DiMaggio gets a single against Eddie Smith of the Chicago White Sox to start his 56-game hitting streak. So today was the day it began, and Joe D's hit goes unnoticed because the Yankees lost that game 13-1. to But that hit was the beginning of something that will never, ever <laughs> be done. 50, I can't get a guy to get two hits in a row in two days, uh, let alone make that much contact. By the way, this season, 1941 for Joe DiMaggio, we were just talking about this uh, off air, 30 home runs, 125 ribbies, 
193 hits in just 139 games that year. Do you want to take a guess how many walks he had and how many strikeouts he had? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. It was under 100 walks, but it was in that neighborhood. And then tell me how many strikeouts you think he had that year. Oh, my gosh. I love this game. Uh, I think he had 88 walks. And uh, close, very close. 70, 76 walks. How many strikeouts? I said 88 strikeouts just to keep it fun. 13. 13 <laughs> strikeouts. <That's laughs> this is crazy. And I, and I know we have to crash a break, but how about this idea for a movie? A down on his luck guy sees Joe DiMaggio get this seemingly innocuous hit and he puts down a nickel every day for the entire 56 game hitting streak and he becomes so rich. And he squanders it all the next day when Joe doesn't get the hit. Okay, Joe, take us to break. Uh, just, just for perspective, in 45 at-bats, in the last 45 at-bats, Robbie Grossman has 20 strikeouts. Just want to put that in perspective. Well, I mean, Joe DiMaggio, the entire time. season, had 13 strikeouts. Just Jeez. saying. I'm just saying. All right, we come back. Hour two of Diamond Bets. We're going to go around the diamond with some more news and notes from Major League Baseball, give you some fantasy pickups, and ask the important questions. We come back. Hour two right here on Sports Grid. This is Diamond Bets. Diamond Bets. 